The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. Heather Wagonhalls here. This segment of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash freebook and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for stopping by. I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we will help you you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. Uh, so we have our, um, what key is it this week? Uh, number 12, practicing the three hours. Yes. And that would not be... Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Correct. That will be what? Let's push the envelope on uh, the brain power today. Uh, so recommit. There's the uh, last one. Uh, revise, review. That's two. There you go. One. Wow. Very good. I just got the order mixed up. Right. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, because part of what we do with the goal achievement strategy is plan backwards. So, so it's review, revise, recommit. Yes. That's the order in which you do it. Yeah, Correct. Which makes common sense, which I have none of. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but see, you know what? See, I'm going to let you off the hook on that. Don't beat yourself up because yeah. if you remember in uh, our, our third key, which is dreams of deadlines, we learn about the goal achievement strategy. And what one of the strategies are is go figure out where you want to get to first, remember? Mm -hmm. Destination. And then work backwards to where you're starting from. So you were just planning backwards with that key. And I do that a lot, to tell you the truth. Yay. All right. See? So don't beat yourself up. Okay. You're on the right track. Yeah. So we have uh, the most powerful key in the sense that this is the one that separates us completely, as if all the other keys didn't divest us totally from the concept of budgeting and money management. This is the one that separates us from the rest because here's why diets and budgets fail because they're rigid. And when you fall off the wagon, it's extremely difficult to get back on if you do. And usually you have to be worse off than what you were when you first started before you get back on. That's the problem with traditional budgeting and money management. And that's what sets this apart as one of the most comprehensive saving, spending, and investing plans you could ever have. And it's because not only is it well thought out, it's done from a biology-based approach to money management. And that in and of itself is completely different than the way most people approach things. Because, uh, and, and it was never more clear to me You know how when you share something with someone, you never know how they receive it until you kind of can take it and get a check 
of where you are, like what the information received. And so in NLP, we have this presupposition that says that the meaning of your communication is the response that it elicits. Okay. And so when we talk about communicating between two people, especially in persuasive communication, like sales or opinions or things like that, if I'm trying to persuade you all day long, I can hit you with why I think you should do something. But unless it resonates with you, unless you understand completely the concepts and then take that understanding and apply it to your situation to become in agreement with me and then communicate that agreement, I have no idea where I am. Yeah. Okay. And so communication, especially in the form of persuasive communication, is that communication is 100% your responsibility not to get your point across, but to elicit the right result. Okay. So in in a sales scenario, all right, if I'm trying to sell you a widget, okay, it's not my job to barf up every reason why I think you should do it. It's to find out what makes you say yes and then get you there. And when you say yes, I know I've accomplished my job. And every time you say no, I have to take a different approach. Unless, of course, I'm practicing the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. So under that assumption that the meaning of a communication is the response that you get. I gave my goal achievement strategy talk and I did my biology based approach to money management and I was communicating how we think. And so one of the things that I always do, regardless of whether or not there's an actual question and answer period at the end of my talks is I make it a point to ask the audience to share one new thing they learn And if they're a successive person, if you're not number one, you can't ask or say the same thing somebody else does because it helps me to know what sticks. Plus, it's also good for the audience to be able to get that one other reinforcement that may make a concept that's on the verge of sticking. It's on the edge of your mind stick. So it's very, very helpful to, to not only myself, but also to the other audience members who are receiving the talk. And I had a young lady, so she was successive down the road, like, like seven or eight other people answered before her. So she said something so profound and then everybody seconded it when she said it. And I thought that this was awesome for me because she said to me, what a relief. Thank you for letting me off the hook. And I said, for what? And she says, because all this time I thought I was a logical creature and that I was um, not able to control my emotions and I was letting them get the best of me. I had no idea that I emote first before I think. Yeah. And she was relieved to understand how the brain works because, you know, and think about it. Everybody tells you that we're rational, logical human beings. But if so, would we have the chaos in the world today? If we really, truly were, we have the capacity to be rational, logical, and reasonable, but we're not. And the reason why that capacity is not exercised is because that's the last brain we think of when we talk about our three amigos and the the information model of processing that we use with our 3A method is that we survive – First, by instinct, then we emote and remember by that mammalian brain, and then 
we think and reason logically, but only to the capacity that it's been colored by our instinct and our emotion, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought that was great because if she thought that, and then everybody's like, oh yeah, great point. So how many other people think that they're supposed to be logical and that they're busy beating themselves up? This kind of goes to last week's key, forget the perfection principle. We're beating ourselves up for not being more logical, more reasonable, especially when it comes to impulse spending. We create this guilt cycle. How would you explain, like when people get upset over little things, this is what really drives me crazy about human humankind. They get really upset over little things, and and they do emotionally react before they think. Yet, major crisis, sometimes they're unflappable. Okay, so give me an example of a little thing. Uh, uh, your, Your Quicken software isn't doing what you want it to. That's To me, that's a little thing. You just need to read the damn manual, and you'll figure it out. Right. Or the internet's moving too slow. Those right. Are, right. Yeah. Okay. So that plays to one of our basic fears. So that's an instinct driven thing. That's not even an emotional thing. It, I mean, it can get there if your instinct isn't rattled enough, but that's just the fear of loss of control. Okay. That's all that is. So that's a, that's a control thing and it's the inability to make it do what you want it to do. Uh-huh. And so our frustration gets elevated, and so we get threatened by that fear. So now uh, we have a hormone dump to increase our ability to control. But we can only control what we've controlled in the past. And, and, and especially if what we're doing isn't working, like pressing the same button over and over and same, you know, it's something that's beyond our control. Like maybe you left too many windows open and the capacitor, the, the capacity of the processor has been diminished. So it can only think so, so fast. Right. And then you've hit the mouse 50 times. You know, the harder you hit it, you think it's going to work better. You <laughs> exactly. <know? laughs> like, so you smash it. Now you've rendered it inoperable. <laughs> So that's just a total, that's an instinct survival mechanism. Now, let's say that it doesn't raise your instinct. It can still get hung up in the emotion thing because the last time this happened, you remember all of the chaos it caused. It re- you remember the last time that this software hung, not only did it hang and not process slowly, but something ate away your saved copy. And now you have to start all over from scratch since so now you're getting angry. Mm-hmm. On top of that. So maybe the fact that it was moving slow didn't trigger you. But the last time it moved slow, now you're in that second floor of the Three Amigos Hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that second floor, that's emotion and memory. And so now we remember the last time this happened and it was unpleasant. So now again, we have to move away from things that are unpleasant. You know, two motivations, towards pleasure, away from pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we got to move away. So that dumps the hormone and we still respond instinctively as if the first level didn't like would have set us off. So we have a hormone dump. Now we're trying to exact our will. We're responding to the emotion, which if we could hang tight and experience the emotion, but not be the emotion, we could get to the logic area and say, okay, stop pressing the mouse click. 50 times, Heather, and then maybe you'll give it a chance to catch up. And that would be my logic brain in the hotel telling the other guys, chill out. 
But I have to get there first. <laughs> I have to get there. And that's the challenge because the elevator goes up. But if somebody pulls, the, you know, the little fire, ex- the fire alarm, it's going to stop where it stops. The emergency stop on the, on, yeah. the, on, on the elevator is frozen. And that's when the hormones dump and it freezes you at whatever that level is. So now you can only respond instinctively or emotionally. Your capacity gets limited. So that's why you have to stay in an emotionally resourceful state. You need to take a deep breath, maybe stand up, go get a drink of water, move around, expel the hormone so you can get back to that resource state and have all your faculties to be able to make a logical assertion. But this was probably in all my talks, this said the three amigos is the best explanation you have for how we think. Because I could sit here and philosophize about it all. I could bring up Plato and Aristotle to support the three amigos. Mm-hmm. I could deep reach into the depths of the electrochemical biology of it. I could reach into the neuroscience about it. I could reach into the psychological aspect of it. But at the end of the day, it's survive, remember, think. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And In the grand scheme of things, you probably could care less about the neuroscience behind it. The fact that you can now understand what's going on. And now when you have the understanding, you have the why you should be doing something. So now all you need to do is marry the why with the motivation. And now you've got knowledge and learning once you start implementing. Mm -hmm. And so now you have more resources than what you had before. So you can relax under that. Now, to answer the second part of your question, which was also a really good question, is that why do little things set people off, but the big things don't? And part of why the big things don't is because the survival brain has not really been triggered because of what we call our normalcy bias. And this is why so many people died in 9-11, because when the fire alarms started sounding, people were behaving as if it was just another fire drill. So they were taking their time, you know, they were still checking email, they were grabbing another coffee, blah, blah. They weren't taking it seriously because in their mind, it was just another drill. Everything's fine. Situation normal. Okay. And so it didn't occur to them. So that's, so a lot of people can have a normalcy bias that slows things down and doesn't allow them to respond in an emotional or an instinctive manner because they're not experiencing it because that normalcy bias is holding those responses at bay. If they actually acknowledged it was an emergency Perhaps you would have had chaos. Perhaps you would have had running people running around crazy. But people were very orderly, taking their time. It was crazy. And it's because of this normalcy bias. Because we were in denial about what was really happening. And yeah. denial is a huge, warm, comfortable, fluffy blanket. Yeah. That would keep our body in homeostasis. It would keep our breathing rate normal. It would keep our heart rate normal. And so that's why people can be grace under pressure. So was that like a like five thousand year long explanation yeah. for your two questions? No, Did good. I thoroughly respond to your questions? That was good. Okay, so don't forget about the moolah word. I I am remembering the moolah word. Don't say don't forget because then oh, you're yeah, gonna yeah, make yeah, me yeah. forget. 
<laughs> remember the moolah word. Remember the moolah word. I am remembering the moolah word. And it's so funny when people say stuff, I won't forget. And I said, oh, no, 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 you will remember. And they're like, yes, I will remember to brush my teeth before I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Did. It'd be nice to get into the habit of doing that, but I'm old and set in my way. So I, ah, but you could choose a new response. You just yeah. need better space management. Yeah. Don't forget. It's just such a, it's in such a knee jerk. I know, but we could reverse the knee yeah. jerk. Oh, I'd love to. There you go. So I'll, then, so then do it. I'll work on it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So shall we get along to our moolah word of the day? Yes. Okay. So, uh, this segment of keys to riches powered by unlock your wealth radio is sponsored by keepmyid.org, The only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for keys to riches radio listeners by visiting our website at keys to riches.com forward slash keep my ID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS as uh, De Niro, the prosperity poochie, is reminding us with his tail wagging. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So our moolah word of the day is the federal funds rate. So what is the federal funds rate, or its slang has also been shortened or abbreviated, you've heard of the Fed funds rate. The federal funds rate is the interest rate at which a depository institution lends funds maintained at the Federal Reserve to another depository institution overnight. The federal funds rate is generally only applicable to the most creditworthy institutions when they borrow and lend overnight funds to each other. The federal funds rate is one of the most influential interest rates in the United States economy since it affects monetary and financial conditions, which in turn have a bearing on key aspects of the broad economy, including employment growth and inflation. The FOMC, or Federal Open Market Committee, which is the Federal Reserve's primary monetary policy-making body, telegraphs its desired target for the federal funds rate through open market operations. This is also known as the Fed funds rate. So here's what I love about Investopedia and why I've switched to using this for our definitions. Breaking down the Fed funds rate. Uh, the higher the federal funds rate, the more expensive it is to borrow money, since it is only applicable to very creditworthy institutions for extremely short short-term loans, which is overnight, the federal funds rate can be viewed as the base rate that determines the level of all other interest rates in the U.S. economy. Banks and other depository institutions maintain accounts at the Federal Reserve to make payments for themselves on or behalf of their customers. The end of the day balances in these accounts are used to meet the reserve requirements mandated by the Federal Reserve. If a depository institution expects to have a larger end of day balance than it needs, it will lend the excess amount to another institution that expects to have a shortfall in its own balance. The federal funds rate thus represents the interest rate charged by the lending institution. So the federal funds rate has varied wildly. Um, it's been as high as 20% in the early inflationary 80s, and it's declined steadily since then. Um, it was at a record low of 0%, and then it was at a quarter percent from December 08 onward to combat the Great Recession of the 08, 09 uh, Great Recession and the sti to stimulate the U.S. economy. So how that translates to you is if a bank has, let's say, $1,000 in accounts. All right. I'm just using this so I could do the math easy. Right. <clears throat> so I've got $1,000 of depositors. Okay. But let's say 
the people that somebody applied for a loan and then somebody charged something on their credit card. And so I had to pay that out. So I'm supposed to have, so I have to have this in case there's the run on the, on the bank where all the depositors all of a sudden want all their money. Right. So by law, I have to maintain that amount of money. I have to have that thousand bucks or as equivalent, but I just lent some out. Now I'm going to be making more because I lent that money out, right? Like on the credit card or for the loan or whatever that I made. But let's say at the end of the day, I've done two $200 worth of loans or payments. I still have a thousand dollars in deposits, um, that I'm supposed to have, but now I only have 800 bucks cause I lent out 200. So I got to go borrow that 200. So I borrow that 200 in order to cover my, what they call reserve requirement. Now I spoke of this in previous episodes, especially, um, on our, um, topic shows at unlock your wealth radio. When I was talking about why we have that good funds law here in Arizona, because all these wires were sent, but the banks didn't have their required minimum. So the money didn't move. Right. So all these checks for title companies were bouncing like crazy and they were running for cover because they just completed and settled transactions and they didn't get the money back. So they were left holding the bag. And so it just perpetuated itself. But let's say I have $1,000 with depositors, right? Yeah. And I've collected some payments on some of the loans, right? And so now I have 1200 bucks. I only need to maintain 1000 So that 1000 bucks, I've got 2000 in surplus. So I can loan that to another bank overnight that might need to make their minimum balance. That's where the overnight rate is. So, huh. so when it's interesting when people talk about loan sharks and payday loans and title lenders and stuff being cutthroat. I mean, think about what a daily interest rate is, compounded daily, all right? So even at half a percent, half a percent a day times 365 days, Yeah. they're loan sharks too. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. But they're wagging their finger. See, here's the thing. Here's what's interesting. You can screw over rich people. So we think of a bank as a big, rich person and big, rich entity, right? So you can screw over a bank with whatever interest rate, but you can't screw over the poor people or the hardworking people. And I'm not saying we should, so don't misunderstand that. But like, we never talk about the highway robbery on the clip joint that the Federal Reserve is. We never talk about that. Right. But that... It costs us so much money, just like when our bank goes to a loan shark is what, it's, what it is. Our banks are going to loan sharks. Yeah. We pay for that. That's why we have to pay, you know, 50 bucks for a bounce check now. Yeah. That's why we have to pay, you know, five or $10 for using a non-networked ATM. Yep. Okay. Because they're getting extorted by the Federal Reserve. Wow. Bet you didn't think of it that way. I didn't. I have business accounts that I never use, but I have to have them open. You know what I mean? Um, just because they're businesses, but their their money flows through other accounts. <clears throat> but because of all of these stupid laws that they have in place now about money laundering and and how hard it is to open up a bank account, I can't close these out because I'm afraid I might not get another one somewhere else. Right. You know what I mean? So I have to pay $12 a month. For each one of these accounts that I never use, but I'm afraid of closing. And why do I have to pay that? So 12 times 12, I pay 144 bucks per year per account that I have to have open. Wow. Okay. 
And what is that doing? It's going to pay the other loan shark. It's okay that they use a loan shark, but it's not okay for me to use a loan shark. It's a crazy, totally crazy thing. But let's talk about this week's key, shall we, while we're in the mood? Sounds good. So we don't forget about this week's key? Practicing the three R's. So I said at the beginning of the broadcast, this is what makes this whole money-making, or this whole... um, philosophy, this money management philosophy, so effective because this allows us to make adjustments for life events, for changing wishes or desires. Crap happens. Circumstances happen to us. Like my garage door fell in right as I was coming to the studio today. It's just a fact of life. And so now I have to pay somebody to come fix it. Because I would never mess with a garage spring. You know, you can get killed, no, killed get dinking killed, around yeah, with those. <clears throat> so I got to pay somebody else to do that. And because there's inherent risk involved, it's not cheap. So that's why I have an emergency fund so I can take care of emergencies. Uh, now, depending on what happens and when it happens, like I had my transmission on my truck fallout years ago. And I only had part of an, uh, an emergency fund built up because, well, I had a very expensive divorce. And so now I had to make financial changes. But if I would have stayed to a rigid budget, I would have blown the budget. And then with all that comes the guilt. And then you have to go back to forget the perfection principle and work through the forgiveness process to let yourself off the hook for not having the emergency fund set up and for not being a good wife or whatever the stupid divorce was about. And like, you know what I mean? It just escalates. So what's great about this is this allows us to take into account what has happened, what our plans are, and even if our plans are still valid and if we have to make changes. So we do this first by reviewing, but we don't start by reviewing what we've spent or what's happened. We review our goals first. And why do we do it that way? Because we need to get them fresh in our mind. Remember, our conscious brain only manages seven to nine things plus or minus two. So we're at five on a bad day and 11 on a good day, right? And so what's the likelihood, unless you're reviewing your goals each and every day, that you're going to have them top of mind? So we have to review what we said we were going to do, what our commitments and obligations were. Then we can then review what's happened and measure what's the difference. This is our final questions in our three, five financial strategy, three uh, questions, five areas of concern. Where am I? Where am I going? This is where we learn what's the difference. And so now we find out how close to or far away from we are from our goals. And what were the challenges? Were they freak things like the garage door falling in? Like for no reason. Or was it the garage door fell in because I never maintained it? I didn't lubricate the wheels. I didn't do this. All right. So this was a freak thing. All right. Leonard just said the wire popped. Okay. So it had nothing to do with health and maintenance of the the garage door because that we do. We keep the squeaking to a minimum. We make sure all the rollers are doing what they're supposed to do. So so I'm not experiencing guilt over the thing. But now, what's it going to cost me? Is it going to eat up my emergency fund? Or am I going to have to hit a credit card? Am I going to have to go to a debt scenario? But this is a short-term issue. What if we have longer terms? What if we have a parent diagnosed um, 
with Alzheimer's. Now we have to have elder care. Maybe we have to take on the care of an indigent parent. Maybe our child is diagnosed with a long-term illness. Maybe we have an unexpected pregnancy. So now this information can materially affect our ability to achieve our goals. It doesn't mean we throw our goals away or or all hope is lost, but we need to reevaluate. This is our revised. Now we have all this new information. Do we still want the same things that we did want in light of this new information, these these long-term things that are happening to us? And if we still want the same things, all we have to do is adjust our time horizon for getting it, push our goals back a little further, adjust instead of contributing, you know, $300 a month to our emergency fund um, and our quality of life savings. Maybe we pull it back a bit and do 200 a month, take a dollar a day less. So it'll take us a little bit longer to get to those financial goals, but we'll still achieve them. We're still on the path because we made a revision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe... Going around the world doesn't make sense while we have to give urgent care to an aging parent. And that maybe it's not like a long-term thing like dementia. Maybe it's cancer. All right. So we just change it. Or maybe we really don't want to do that after all. It's okay to change your mind on a goal if a life event gives you information to change it. It's not okay to change your goal just because, oh, it seems too hard. So we got to make sure why we're revising. And then once we do, we just recommit. We go through the same process that we did. We satiate our our dreams and desires with emotion. We create that survival instinct of move toward, got to have it now. And we recommit to the process. That's what it is. Review, revise, and recommit. It's very simple. So if you'd like to download the worksheet, just visit our website at keystoriches.com and type in practicing the three R's in the search bar, and you too can download the worksheet that will help you differentiate money management forever with our new Keys to Riches financial philosophy. So thanks so much for stopping by. For more great resources, visit our website at keystoriches.com. And for the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of Moolah Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. <laughs>